to Saturday, July 29th, MLB betting picks edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks and content available only to our patrons at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, July 28th, currently 5.03 on the East Coast. Here to go through our lock, dog, and total picks for the Saturday games. We'll also touch on some uh, trades that have gone down over the past 24 to 48 hours in the MLB. And joining me here to help me break it down, Guys, know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, WNBA, NBA, NFL, and of course here on the MLB Gambling Podcast. It's Scott Studio Rochelle. Scott, how you feeling this afternoon, my man? Yeah, doing pretty well. A uh, pretty busy morning, but looking forward to breaking down the Saturday games. Yeah, uh, pretty interesting week thus far. I know some of these uh, division races are heating up, and that we're on the cusp of the. Uh, uh, sorry, I must said NBA because we did NBA show earlier this morning. Uh, MLB trade deadline. I think the deadline is on the first, but we also have already had some trades that have gone down. Like I mentioned, we'll touch on those in the uh, latter part of the episode. Um, one team in particular that's pretty much blowing it up, at least in their pitching rotation, has been the Chicago White Sox. Um, uh, Dodgers making some moves. Astros made some moves as well. So we'll touch on all of it um, as these teams look to strengthen their, I guess, um, lack their bullpens and then trying to make that run for another uh, World Series title are the Dodgers and the Astros. But we'll touch on that, like I mentioned, at the end of the – or sorry, in the second half of the show – uh, on this episode so you guys know how we do it usually here on these uh, saturday episodes we'll go through our lock dog and total picks for the saturday games and let's just kick it right off let's start up with our totals here scott you want to lead us off with your total pick for the saturday games uh sure so my pick for the total i'm going to go to actually a team total in a matchup between the angels and the blue jays i'm going to fade manoa i'm going to go with the angels first five team total over I'm assuming it's going to be two and a half, might be plus money. Uh, it's either going to be a very heavily juiced one and a half or a pretty decent plus price at two and a half. I'm going to take it either way. Uh, Manoa had one good start against the Tigers since coming back. Since then, he's been pretty, I'd say, mediocre like he was uh, pretty much before. Well, he was terrible beforehand. Now he's been okay, I guess. But he's still mm-hmm. giving up roughly three earned. And I do think that when you're looking at the Angels offense based on recent form, I think they can do enough to actually get to Manoa relatively early and often couple home runs, et cetera. But for me, a team total of two and a half in the first five against Manoa, I'm just going to fade him. But potentially could be plus money. Give me the Angels to get it done. Assuming that Otani's back isn't seriously injured and assuming he's in the lineup. But I do think, once again, you're looking at a pretty good deal there. Yeah, I know Otani is in the lineup on Friday night, so not a huge concern for the uh, Angels. And, you know, we touched on the Angels yesterday as well, that they made their decision of obviously not to trade Otani and, and try to make a playoff push. Um, whether they can do that or not. I know they're only three games back in the AL wildcard spot, but um, yeah, I mean, no argument for me. I know Alec Manoa came back, like you mentioned, against the Tigers. That's a great spot for him to come back. Uh, only allowed one earned run, but since then, gave up four to the Padres in three innings, um, gave up two in the first five to the uh, Mariners before they tacked on one in the top of the six. But this Angels offense, I think more so, uh, Scott, 
has been hitting the ball well and been able to score runs. I know we saw them uh, score at least six runs in the three matchups against the uh, Tigers this past, uh, sorry, earlier this week. Um, I know that um, they haven't played the, the toughest competition. I know they had a game against the Pirates in there. Uh, but don't look now, man. This this Angels team has won games. They, they swept the Yankees. They got two out of three from the Pirates, and they took three straight from the Tigers. This is going to be a big series for this team, uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays, if they do want to make that playoff push because of the Blue Jays are in front of them. But as far as the game goes, yeah, no argument for me about Manoa and him giving up runs. In Rogers Center this season, he is 0-5, or say Rogers Stadium, 0-5 with a 9.00 ERA. 31 innings pitched. He's allowed 31 earned runs, 30 walks at home thus far this season. I think the hot bats could continue here and should continue for the Angels against Alec Manoa. Um, all right, for my total pick, I'm going to go over to that last game of the night on uh, Saturday night. It's a game between the Cincinnati Reds and the L.A. Dodgers, and that number is currently sitting at 10 in this game. I'm going to go with the over. There are some nine and a halves out there with the juice on the over on minus 125, minus 127, um, but I am comfortable with still taking this 10. I think this should go over the total and fly over the total. I know one of uh, Scott's favorite fades of the season, Luke Weaver, is on the mound here uh, for the Reds uh, on the season two and two with a 7.20 ERA. He has um, 65 strikeouts to 25, uh, 26 walks. But last five games, five starts, one and oh, with the 8.24 ERA. He's allowed 18 earned runs in 19 and two thirds innings pitched. Did face the Dodgers earlier this season where he allowed seven earned runs in three and two-thirds innings pitched to that uh, in that game. And over his last five games, I know the Reds have been able to win, but they've really also provided him the run support in those games. They've scored at least 10 runs in four out of the last five matchups, or sorry, for the last five starts that Luke Weaver has made. And then on the other side, you take a look at Emma Shaheen. He got off to a pretty good start uh, for the L.A. Dodgers. But has regressed since then. Three and one record with a six point seven five ERA over his last five games, an ERA of eight point four nine. He's coming off a game where he allowed eight earned runs to the Texas Rangers, and the walks are also a concern for uh, Shaheen. He's allowed at least three walks in three straight starts, and his last four games, we've seen a final score of fourteen to three, nine to seven, six to four, and a, a eight to four loss to the uh, Rangers. So. I think the bats are going to be alive and well in this game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we are at the cusp of around seven, eight runs within those first five innings. So we want to take the first five innings and maybe fade both pitchers. Uh, I don't hate that either, but I'll go with the full game over 10 and just fade both of these pitchers here, Scott. Yeah, I'm not a fan of either pitcher either. Uh, Sheen's record's been good, uh, but uh, you're looking at the overall numbers and both pitchers have ERAs that are north of 6.7, which is not a good sign. Uh, I could see runs in this game. And if you want to actually look at the head-to-head meetings earlier this season, two of the first three meetings had at least 14 runs. So I can definitely see both offenses kind of just exploding here. You might only need one offense to explode. You might end up getting like an 8-4 type game, and you still win. So I don't hate it. Uh, You're looking at Weaver and uh, the Dodgers' young starter, who is also not very good. I also agree with you on the over. All right, before we get over to our dog picks for the Saturday games, let me tell everyone about the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon. Do your part in the war against corporate gambling and sign up for the SGP Patreon. 
ton of exclusive content, contests, and merch just for our patrons, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast and an ad-free, uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decades of being DGENs. There's even a Discord channel just for our patrons. Uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon is a great way to score exclusive perks and support SGPN. To get all the details, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. All right, Scott, take us over to your dog pick for the Saturday games. What do you got for the people? All right, uh, so for my dog pick on this one, I'm actually going to go with a decent plus price. I'm going to go with the Rangers on the money line at plus 152. I understand that Perez has not been great lately, and I'm aware that Darvish has really not been great all year long. He's been better a little bit lately, but he did get shelled his last outing against Pittsburgh. But simply put, you have issues with both starting pitchers. We know Texas' uh, lineup is a lot better, and we know that Soto's been linked to trade rumors every day for the past week. Yep. San Diego's not really looking to buy at the deadline, and I am wondering when they might officially pulled the trigger on blowing the team up, so we'll see. But plus 152, once again, for the much better team, I don't think makes any sense. And I get the argument might be Perez isn't that great. Uh, neither is Darvish. Sorry to break it to you, but Darvish is not at a good year either, and you're giving me the much better offense at plus 152. I think it's a great price. I really just don't understand why the Padres are getting so much respect when they've underachieved the entire year. Even if Perez doesn't pitch well, the lineup can still bail them out. So I do think that you're looking at getting a very good value play with one of the better offenses, if not the best offense in the league. I think it's a great price. I'll take the Rangers money line at plus 152. That's something similar that we talked about on the Friday podcast. Um, that the Darvish is worse than Musgrove. Yeah. And now you're almost getting a similar or even a better price here on the uh, Texas Rangers. And, Maybe it is something that's priced in with Martin Perez hasn't been very good this season. But again, I think in the locker room, just for the Padres' sake, that, you know, once, like you mentioned, Juan Soto's name has been in rumors for the uh, past week, maybe linked to your Yankees. Uh, that might be a destination for him. But I think this, I mean, we agree that this Padres team has well underachieved this season, especially with all the offseason moves that they've made over the not only this past offseason, but over the course of the last two years. And it's just been a disappointment. But um, even though Perez has been bad on the road with a four and two record, they've still won four of his last five starts. I know four of those came at home, but Darvish is, I think you're right. That is, he's just fade material. I know he's been, he's been relatively a good pitcher at home over the last several years, but it hasn't been the case for him this year. Uh, two and four with a 4.73 ERA. Uh, the Padres have lost three of his last five starts as well, including his last two home starts as well. And he's allowed, or the Padres have allowed um, seven runs in the game against the Mets, and then they gave up eight to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that was probably Darvish's worst start of the season where he allowed seven earned runs. He gave up four home runs in that game. And like you mentioned, Scott, now you have a Rangers offense that is, in my opinion, the best offense in the league that has a lot of power, they can hit for average, can score runs. Yeah, this is a great price here on the Rangers. So I, I definitely agree with you on this. Uh, all right, for my dog play, I'm going to take the other Texas team. I'm going to go with the Houston Astros minus one and a half, uh, currently plus 135 uh, on the run line. They're hosting the Tampa Bay Rays um, this weekend. And this one for me is more of a fade of Todd Bradley and what he's been, uh, or I guess, not been doing and that's not been pitching well for the Tampa Bay Rays, especially over the uh, course of the last five games, last five games, Oh, and three with an 8.46 ERA. He's allowed 21 earned runs in 22 and one thirds innings pitched. 
did face the uh, Astros earlier this season. He did get the victory, but he did allow three earned runs in five innings pitch, and he allowed two home runs. Um, he allowed a total of four hits, and two of them were home runs. He gave up to the Astros. Astros also did get back uh, Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve. I know they uh, came back in that blowout loss against the Rangers, but you know, having a game and another game on Friday night under their belt, trying to get that rust off, I think that's only going to be an advantage of the Houston Astros here. And you take a look at what the Rays have done in this last five starts uh, for Todd Bradley. They've lost each of those five starts by him, and four of those five losses have come by at least two earned runs. Now, I know Hunter Brown hasn't been very good over the last five games either, um, but he does have really good history against his race lineup. Uh, you take a look last season, earlier this year, seven shutout innings. He only allowed two hits, eight strikeouts. And that was a, a, a time of the season, Scott, where the Tampa Bay Rays had gotten out on fire. We talked about that this week. I know it was against Lester uh, uh, competition, but in his career against the Tampa Bay Rays, He's allowed, or sorry, he's pitched 11 complete innings and he's only allowed five hits, zero earned runs. Hunter Brown has allowed. So I think this is a good bounce back spot for Hunter Brown. I definitely have the better offense. I trust Hunter Brown more at home. And again, like I mentioned, Todd Bradley, not been very good over the month of July. I'm going to continue fading him. I like the plus price on the run line here. If you want to take the Astros team total over as well, uh, I think that's a good play as well. I think it's a little correlated there. But Astros minus one and a half plus one thirty five on the run line with Taj Bradley and Hunter Brown on the mound, Scott. Yeah, I'm not a big Bradley guy. He's another one of those young, talented pitchers who hasn't really pieced it together. He's had moments, but when you're facing off against Houston at home with Jordan and Altuve back in the lineup, not to mention Tucker and Bregman and all the guys that they have, I think that he's going to begin to some trouble. Brown has kind of annoyed me the last couple of starts, though. He hasn't been as good as I thought he potentially would be, but yeah. he's good enough to get it done, and Tampa can't hit at the moment. Yeah, uh, a couple of new faces in the chat joining us. Shout out to those guys, Ryan and Austin. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate you guys uh, joining in the live chat. Uh, if you haven't already, do us a favor, smash that like button on the live stream. Um, really helps us out on the on our YouTube channel here. Uh, Scott, let's go over to our locks for the Saturday games. What do you got for the people? All right, so I talked about it on the last podcast, but I'm going to run it back. I'm going to go with the Twins on the run line at minus 115. I mentioned on the show yesterday that the Twins have nine wins against the Royals this season. All nine wins have been by multiple runs. So they've tended to dominate this particular opponent. And you're looking at who's pitching in the game. You have Ober who's pitching, who's been solid in general. And he's against Jordan Lyles. And it's not like you really need an excuse to fade Jordan Lyles. But the Twins, once again, have been solid lately. And they've been very good against the Royals all season long. I'm not going to spend much time going through stats because everybody knows the Jordan Lyles trend at this point. And the Royals have been one of the worst teams in the league all season long, especially lately. So for me, give me the Twins to continue their dominance over this uh, bottom feeder. Give me the uh, Twins minus one and a half and minus 115. Yeah, I'm not going to argue against you. You talked about uh, Jordan Lyles. He's been better at home, but it just hasn't translated to wins for uh, the Kansas City Royals. And let's just say even Jordan Lyles comes out and pitches a decent game within those first five, six innings. You still have one of the worst bullpens that you're going up against in the Kansas City Royals. 
And um, you just take a look at Lyle's numbers against the Twins this season. Two starts, 0-2 with a 7.71 ERA. He's allowed eight earned runs in nine and one-thirds innings pitch, six walks and six strikeouts. So it just hasn't been very good uh, for Jordan Lyles and the Kansas City Royals. And again, it's pretty much the same blueprint, like you mentioned, that we talked about on the Friday pod just back in the Twins, probably this entire weekend uh, against this Royals team. So one plus one equals two. Don't want to fade that. Um, definitely agree with you on the uh, Twins here. And again, this is an opportunity for them to kind of keep pace with the Guardians who are playing the other uh, NL, uh, sorry, the AL Central team in the Chicago White Sox, uh, which leads me to my uh, lock for the Saturday games. And I'm going to go with the other AL Central team. That's going to be the Cleveland Guardians uh, on the run line here. Um, I do see a minus 140 money line price on the Guardians. But I'm simply going to take Logan Allen here um, and back him against the uh, Chicago White Sox, who are blowing up this team right now, at least their pitching rotation. We'll touch on that here in a minute. But um, the Guardians, they're hot right now. They're playing some good baseball. That bats have starting to come around a little bit. Um, I know they traded away Rosario, but uh, this team is in second place uh, in the AL Central right behind the uh, Minnesota Twins who have a one and a half game lead. And again, this is an opportunity for the guardians to pick up these wins against the, um, against one of the worst teams in the division. Like I mentioned that they are blowing up. They are, uh, they did get, they did get the victory on Thursday night against the white Sox six to three. Again, I think it's going to be an opportunity for them to continue piling up these wins. Logan Allen hasn't lost a, um, start on the road for this uh, Cleveland Guardians team since back on April 30th against the bots and Red Sox. Since then, a 3-1 victory against the Chicago White Sox, which was in May, 5-0 victory against the Orioles in May, uh, and then fast forward to June, 4-2 victory against the Twins, 8-6 against the Padres, 14-1 against the Royals, and then again in July, on July 18th, 10 to 1 victory against the Pirates. Each of those victories have come by at least two earned runs. So um, I like the minus 140 price on the um, money line, but I think that you'll get a better plus price on the run line with Logan Allen behind the Guardians. So I'm going to take the Guardians minus one and a half when that line does come out. Yeah, I think the Guardians have been uh, the better team so far, but you mentioned Logan Allen and how well he's pitched lately. The White Sox are in the middle of blowing up the entire team. So that is definitely a sign of maybe them being weaker on both sides. I know they've traded away a couple of pitchers. I'm not going to tell you that all the players in the lineup are still going to be there in the next day or two. We'll see what happens there. But you might also get to fade a potentially compromised team offensively if the White Sox continue blowing up the entire roster and trade the likes of Tim Anderson or somebody, maybe Jake Berger, somebody. Yeah, I think that they're again. This is this is a good transition over to the trade deadline. We'll we'll get here in a minute. Uh, but um, I mean, we saw they trade away Lucas Giolito. We saw the trade uh, earlier of Lance Lynn. Not sure how much that actually helps uh, the Dodgers. Maybe a change of scenery helps Lance Lynn. They also got Joe Kelly back to the Dodgers. Uh, I'll touch on those trades here in a minute. After I tell you guys about underdog fantasy, look, the football season and the NFL season is right around the corner and underdog pick'em is a great way to get down on a ton of NFL player props It is available in a ton of markets plus plenty of opportunities to win in their daily MLB contest and of course make sure to enter best ball mania for where first place gets three million dollars head over to underdogfantasy.com 
Make sure to use that promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com. Make sure to use that promo code SGPN. All right, Scott, I know we just talked about the White Sox, a team that is pretty much blowing up their pitching rotation. I think that's a great transition. First, I got to get you guys caught up on some of the trades that have transpired in the MLB over the uh, past 48 hours. We had a couple of trades uh, happen on Friday as well. But right with this White Sox team here, Scott, we talked about Lucas Giolito getting traded over to the Angels. Uh, not sure how much that moves the needle. I think it does give um, – if Giolito is able to find some type of – form from the last couple of seasons not saying that he has to be a Cy Young but he can be a solid number two pitcher for the uh, Angels that's only going to help Otani as their ace uh, trying to make that playoff push so the first trade that went down was the White Sox uh, trading Lucas Giolito to the Angels and then we saw on Friday like Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly were headed to the uh, Dodgers in exchange for some prospects uh, led by Trace Thompson the brother uh, brother of Clay Thompson uh, over to the White Sox um any immediate reactions on that? I know Lance Lynn hasn't had a great season at all for the White Sox, but maybe the change of scenery here going to a Dodgers team that, you know, is leading the NOS right now is a um, contender for the World Series title. Uh, any thoughts on either of those two moves for the White, for the White Sox? Yeah, the White Sox, I don't mind. It's about time they started blowing up the core. Uh, people have been asking them to blow up the core for years, and then they had the one flukish season under La Russa where they made the playoffs and lost immediately, and that's how that went. But they've been kind of irrelevant since they won the World Series back in 2005, so they haven't really done much. But when you're looking at the other trades that I think are worth talking about, first of all, I like the very small move Milwaukee made. I like getting Carlos Santana. I like getting a switch hitter there, a veteran who can help with the first base position. I like that move. They didn't really give up much for him. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Milwaukee, I guess they're buying. There were some questions if they were going to sell off, but getting Santana for basically nothing, I think is a pretty good deal uh, since he is a switch and he does play first base and he's a very patient hitter who could help a little bit with that lineup. So that was one small move I wanted to mention. I want to talk about the Dodgers because you just brought them up, but I was going to talk about them anyway. I don't know what the hell they're doing because they traded for a bunch (laughs) of players I don't like. I'm just being straightforward. Now, some of it's going to sound extremely biased because it's players that I don't think are very good. Lance Lynn has had moments. I think we'd all agree that he can strike out a lot of guys, also gives up a lot of contact and a lot of home runs, and he has not exactly been that effective this year. So Lance Lynn, hit or miss on. We'll start there. I understand the desire to try to acquire, I guess, a hitting shortstop in Syndergaard. I'm sorry, in uh, in Rosario, but I'm not a big Rosario guy. Defensively, he's the worst shortstop in the entire league. So I don't really understand that move either. Unless the argument is he's just really good against lefties and you want to platoon him. But still, I don't think he's a great overall shortstop. I don't mind Kiki. I think he's fine. You, I think you watched him more than I did, but I think he's okay. It's a reunion for him. He was pretty yeah. decent the first go around. Mm-hmm. I remember he was particularly good in that against the Cubs in one of those series, but still, I just don't really think the Dodgers did much. It looks like they made some big all-in decisions where they're trying to make a serious push to win a title, and I don't really think any of the moves help push them over the edge. And don't even get me started on Joe Kelly. Like, I'm not even going to bother on Joe <laughs> Kelly. I can't believe after giving up the grand slam to Kendrick in game five of the NLDS, they brought him back. I can't believe that Kelly's still, I guess, desirable. 
from the Dodgers after that that whole thing unfolded, but I don't really understand what the Dodgers are doing. Kiki's a really bad defensive shortstop or defensive infielder. You're looking at Rosario, really bad defensive infielder. You're looking at Lance Lynn, who once again has some moments, but for the most part, he's kind of streaky, and I'm being generous when I say it that way. Do you really understand what the Dodgers are doing? Because I feel like they were trying to make a push, kind of, without giving up much, but I really don't like the players they got back, and I don't think they moved the needle at all. Well, they're getting the band back together that won them that uh, title uh, in the in the shortened season. Now I think that's what it is. They need a neutral. Um, they need a neutral field to play on with a sixty game season, and maybe they'll win a title. But you yeah, know. Um, do you like their moves? It feels I, like I they're. I don't get it. Yeah, it feels like they're reaching a little bit, right? Um, I didn't mind the Kike booth, uh, and again. For the Red Sox, it was because they got Trevor Story back. So, I mean, uh, at that point, Kike became expendable. And Kike was like, okay. Like, yeah, I don't think he's yeah. that bad of a player. Rosario, though, defensively is a mess. Yeah. It's, not, it's just a matter of that combination. Yeah. I don't get why you would get Kiki and Rosario right. yeah. to platoon shortstop when neither of them can field properly at shortstop. Like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and then again, the Lance Lynn move or so, yeah, Lance Lynn move doesn't make sense to me either. I think there was better, definitely better pitchers out there that you could have traded for, um, to add to your rotation, because I know the, the pitching rotation hasn't been the greatest for the Dodgers. Then they've been dealing with a lot of injuries as well there, right? I know we talked about Walker Buehler at the beginning of the season, missing the entire year with the injury. Um, they lost Dustin May again as well. Um, it's really been led by, uh, Clayton Kershaw. And Julio Urias, since returning, hasn't been very good either. I know he had a great, excuse me, season last year, but he's been really up and down this year. More down than up has been Julio Urias. Maybe there are more moves coming for the Dodgers, but really didn't understand. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Only one that kind of did make sense to me was the um, the Kike move. So, um, well, we'll ask, why do you, why do you like the Kike move? I know that he's fine. I, I think he's you know, versatile. Reunion, but, uh, he, okay. He'll give them. A, he gives them. He's a utility guy, right? He can play multiple positions. I mean, I'm not. I, yeah, I mean, it's not the greatest move, but I think it's just the best, the best move that they made out of the ones that they've traded for, which kind of tells you how bad some of the moves have been uh, made by the Dodgers. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at with the Dodgers. I know, you know, we talked about the White Sox blowing it up, but I mean, maybe there's more moves coming for the Dodgers. I'm not sure, Scott. I'm not sure. I know the Dodgers are are always an aggressive team at the deadline. Yeah. They've done some risky moves that have paid off. Pools was actually good for them, as mm. crazy as that sounds, because he was kind of useless for a couple of years before that, and the Dodgers revived his career. Then again, they tried out Joey Gallo. That didn't work out at all. They've, they've been kind of swinging for the fences on a couple of guys. Yeah. They really do like to have lefty specialists in terms of righty batters. They like to try to find guys that specialize against lefty pitching, and I guess that's where Rosario's going to come in. But once again, it just feels like a lot of moves to apply duct tape to a torn ACL. Like I don't think it really is going to fix anything. They added some veterans and maybe some playoff experience, but it really just feels like they're rearranging deck chairs. Like The problems on this team are not going to get rectified by the moves that they made. And I don't think that any of the moves made them a fully better team. Do yeah. you? I mean, the I argument, so. I guess, for Lynn, he's better than Michael Grove. Yeah. But that's the argument you got going for you, but I don't trust Lynn in the playoff game. I'm not sure you trust Lynn in the playoff game. So then what are we doing here? Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, 
Some of the other moves, the Astros uh, reacquired, I guess I can uh, should say, uh, Kendall Graveman from a couple seasons ago to add to their bullpen. Um, let's see. What else did we have? That was pretty much it. Um, do you like the Santana move, or do you think I'm overreacting? No, that's a good move. Um, I've talked about uh, for several years now that the Brewers just need to get a competent offense because they have a great pitching rotation. I know when their guys are healthy, with Corbin Burns, when Brandon Woodruff is healthy, Freddie Peralta is starting to trend in the right direction. Their bullpen has always been solid. It's just been that they haven't been able to score enough runs. They're kind of the Tampa Bay Rays of the National League, right, where pitching is good, but the offense is just not good enough. Um, and Christian Yelich hasn't been that same player for the uh, Brewers since he won that MVP. But um, I definitely do think that they need to make some more moves and get the um the batting order some help behind christian yelich and some of the other guys that they do have but yeah santana i don't hate love for what they gave up which is next to nothing um it's only going to help him i want to say didn't he play for the brewers before i'm trying to remember it feels like he, he would have but i'm pretty sure he didn't i, wa- I want to check let me see here i feel like he did because let me see i could be wrong i know he played for the twins uh, let's see here. He's on the Guardians. Uh, okay, no, yeah. So he's on the Royals. Yes, I was wrong about that. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't think he was on the Brewers. Yeah, so he played for the Guardians, the Phillies for one year. He went back to the Guardians, the Royals, the Mariners. Last season he got traded. Had a sync with the Blue Jays and then the Pirates. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's a good move for them. Like you mentioned, he's a switch hitter. It gives them some uh, first base depth as well. A little bit of home run power as well that the Brewers can always use as well. So uh, don't hate, uh, don't hate it for the Brewers. Anything else that's kind of stuck out to you? I know Aaron Judge. I know not trade related, but he's back for the Yankees. Uh, maybe too a little too late there, Scott. Well, the Yankees said they're buying, so we'll see what oh, happens because yeah. Cashman might get fired if they don't. Even though he should have been fired years ago, so we'll see if he actually still has endless job security. There's one move I got to talk about because yeah. it was kind of weird that they tr- decided to trade him first. It's got to be the Mets. I mean, you David were linked Robertson. to trading. Away, yeah, you were linked <laughs> to trading away Scherzer and Verlander, and I know it's going to be a bit trickier to find trade partners for them. Yeah, I was not expecting Robertson to be the first person to go. No, I agree. But I, I don't know what you think of that move. They got prospects, which is the first sign of a series of dominoes to fall, mm-hmm. and that's definitely the tip of the iceberg. But I'm curious with your thoughts on that. They trade away Robertson for prospects. Do you agree with them blowing the team up? Because it appears that's the direction they're at. Yeah. I mean, at this point of the season where, let me see where they are in the standings. I think there were 17, eight. Yes, there's 17 games back in the division. Forget the division. Let's take a look at the wild card where the Mets are right now. So in the National League, they are seven games back of the third spot, uh, which is currently occupied by the Phillies and the Reds are, are currently tied for the second and third spot. Giants have a half a game lead. So, and then you have two teams right behind them in the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, who are half a game behind. Cubs four games back in the Padres, six and a half games back, and then it is the New York Mets. Um, I think yeah, for the Mets you got to blow it up. Um, I don't think you're gonna win with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer as your one-two punch, especially in the playoffs. Because the last couple of years, if we've if you've watched, they those two. Pitchers in particular, especially Scherzer, has not been very good in the postseason. I know last year when the Astros won the World Series title, 
Verlander had one bad start, but other than that, he was really solid. And I think that of the two, I think his name has popped up more about being traded. Mm-hmm. Another rumor has been back to the Astros uh, because the, that rotation has also been decimated by injuries this season. Another lost Luis Garcia. Uh, Lance McCullers is, hasn't been able to stay healthy over the past several seasons, dealing with different type of injuries. Um, so I think that Verlander and the Mets – I think it's time for them to blow it up. I think it more so it's going to be something similar to the White Sox, uh, Scott, where they're pitch- they're blowing up the pitching rotation and maybe keeping some of their guys. I don't think they will have significant moves from their batting order. Like guys like I don't think Pete Alonso or Lindor will be traded. I think it's more so their they're two senior pitchers in Verlander and Scherzer. I think more so Verlander for me that does get moved. I think both of them are, are going to probably get moved, but I'm curious yeah. what they're going to have to give up. But it it just seemed maybe a bit surprising to me that Cohen, who spent so much money on the team, is actually not tripling down, and he actually is trying to encourage a rebuild of sorts. Yeah, Usually you don't see that. I mean, you yeah. make an argument the Yankees should have done that a couple of years ago, but a lot of teams keep trying to chase because they're so invested, monetarily speaking, that they yeah. really can't afford a rebuild. I, a part of me knew the Mets were going to at least play with the idea of rebuilding, mm-hmm. but I figured with Cohen, I don't want to compare him to Ballmer in the NBA, but the Clippers should arguably blow it up. But the argument is Ballmer's got so much money, he doesn't really care. He's just trying to win a championship. Yeah. I thought maybe Cohen might just keep throwing money at the problem until it fixed itself. I'm actually a little bit impressed he was willing to realize it was a lost cause, and he's starting to sell off the team. Yeah, I mean, but you take a look at the two New York teams right now. I kind of understand why the the Yankees are do want to be buyers uh, at the trade deadline because they're only two and a half games out out of a wild card spot right now, right? And Judge was hurt, so they have an alibi built in. Yeah, and now you get Judge back on Friday night in the lineup. You're going up against Baltimore, uh, a division opponent, versus where the Mets are right now, 17 games back in the NL East and seven games back in the wild card. So at the end of the day, you are a businessman like Steve Cohen and Steve Ballmer, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the dollar the dollar amount as to right, right? Because you're still running a business. Um, so maybe, you know, he was advised that, hey, it may be time to let, let the season go, trade away, you know, the big contracts that you have with your two ace pitchers and and see what happens um, going into the offseason and next season. Because again, like the, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays of a couple of seasons ago, they made all these roster moves for them to go out and try to win a championship. Obviously, Toronto didn't spend as much money as the Mets have this past offseason. But I think it was very curious uh, that the first domino to fall was David Robertson to the Marlins for this Mets team. So um, it's going to be a very interesting uh, trade deadline. I think it's going to be very active, Scott. But um, do you think also Dylan Cease gets moved by the White Sox because they've already let go of Giolito and Lynn? Well, he lost me money yesterday, but I think the White Sox should trade him immediately. I don't think the more that I thought about it and the more that I actually looked at his numbers, I don't think Dylan Cease is as good as people say he is. Like, I, I think he had one very good year last year where his ERA was like 2.2. Yeah. But you look at every other year that he's had, his ERA is like mid threes or low fours. Like, I, I am wondering if last year was a total fluke or not, because watching him pitch, I, I understand that his stuff is good. He hangs a lot of pitches. And I am kind of wondering if you might agree with me there. Cease might fetch you a decent trade package. Yeah. But if you actually dig deeper, I think it's extremely overrated. Yeah, I mean, I think that more so about Dylan Cease is that he's just been a high strikeout pitcher, right? It's either yeah. 
strikeouts or it's going over the fence. And last year, you're right, that 14-8, 2.20 ERA, Cy Young caliber year if it wasn't for what Justin Verlander did coming back from the injury that he suffered and just being absolutely lights out for the Astros. But, yeah, I mean, prior to that, um, 13-7, 2021, a 3.91 ERA. Prior to that, 4.01 in the sh- uh, the COVID shortened year in his first season, four and seven of the 5.79 ERA. So maybe is again, I think for a lot of these pitchers, sometimes it's about just a scenery change and just getting the proper coaching. I do think that Cease has the potential, but again, this season it's been a lot about you know his location and his command just hasn't been there uh, for him. But we know that he's always up there in, uh, in getting the strikeouts, right? Like this season, he has 143 strikeouts compared to f- about 49 walks this season, but. Over the last five games, he just hasn't been very good. The, the The walks are significantly higher over his last five games, which is allowed 10 walks to only 33 strikeouts. So um, I think that he will definitely be on the move. I know he was linked to the Astros. Uh, him and even Lewis Roberts were uh, crazily linked to the Astros. But I think um, I think the two names for the Astros are going to be Verlander and Cease. We'll see if they do pull the trigger on one of those two pitchers uh, because they do need uh, some rotation help there. Um Angels, I want to touch on the Angels here before we get out of here. They've won, like we mentioned, you know, they've won a thing with six or seven or seven or eight. They're making a push for the wild card spot. They're sitting three games out. I know when we did the second half preview and we talked about it earlier this week, I thought I know somebody asked in our chat if um, Angels to make the playoffs was a viable bet. I've wasted. Money in worse trades. I did get down on them at at a seven a plus seven fifteen price to make the playoffs. When and it's only because, that? huh? When did you take that? That was uh prior to the doubleheader yesterday. Oh, okay. It was on DraftKings at around seven to one. And then I found another spot at a plus seven fifteen. Okay. So, and I got I know they do have a tough schedule coming up. I think this series this weekend against the Blue Jays is going to be huge because the Blue Jays right now hold that uh, third spot in the wild card. And the Boston Red Sox are one and a half games back. The Yankees are two and a half back and the Angels are three games back. Um, I know you mentioned that you don't think the Angels are going to make the playoffs, but um, what other moves do you think they have to make? I think it's the pitching rotation more so they need another pitcher. But are you buying the stock right now after what's kind of transpired and them saying they're going to keep Otani or do you just think it's a fluke right now of what they've been able to do because they've, they've beat up on lesser competition? No, they have, but it's not their problem. I mean, they they have to take care of business on the schedule. They were able to sweep Detroit. Uh, They won two out of three against the Pirates, and they swept the Yankees. So definitely a nice run for them. Uh, Pretty important set over the weekend against the Blue Jays because they might be a team they're competing with uh, in the wild card race. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Then they play Atlanta on the road. Uh, which is not a fun time, but Atlanta's kind of just playing out the string at this point. So yeah. maybe they can take a couple there. Then they play a four-game set against Seattle and a three-game set against San Francisco. After that, they have a pretty serious gauntlet because you have Houston, Texas, and Tampa for yeah. nine games, which is yeah. going to be a bit difficult. But once again, I don't think they're going to make it. But if you want to talk about value, at, at 7-1, I'm not going to criticize you for knowing for sure Otani's not getting traded because that yeah. was always the scary thought in the back of people's minds. I don't want to invest in either, for example, the Angels to make the playoffs or even Otani MVP because you thought, you know, maybe he'll get traded halfway through the year, and now it turns out he's not going to. I do think when you're looking at the actual spot for the Angels, it's a good investment spot 
because I do think they might drop to like four to one at some point. Yeah. I still don't think they're going to get in. But once again, at seven to one, there are definitely worse long shots to take at that price. Let me see what the updated number is here for the. Um, Did they gain Angels. much ground? Because I know that they played two games against Detroit, but I don't know if they actually gained that much ground. They're down to five to one now. Okay. I mean, yeah. you already got value on it for yeah. now, but five to one. I mean, what do you say they were out? They were three games out. Three games out of the third spot in the wild card. Once again, you're in striking distance at five to one. Yeah, so they're they're trailing only the two AL East teams, which is or three AL East teams, AL East teams, I should say. The Blue Jays hold that spot right now, the third spot, and then it's the Red Sox and the Yankees that are uh, behind the Blue Jays, and then uh, the Angels, uh, three games back, uh, Mariners, four and a half games back. So again, this is a big series for the Angels this weekend. I mean, like we talked about, the Angels and uh, Blue Jays are going head to head. They're able to close the gap here. I mean, if they're, let's just say they take two out of three from them, they close another game. We don't. We don't. I don't know. Uh, and again, I want. I want to say this as well. Do we? Are we for sure that the Tampa Bay Rays make the playoffs? You make a discussion that they might not, but the point is that's another team you could, in theory, leapfrog. But it's going to be tricky. That whole race is going to be nuts in the final couple of weeks, and you're hoping the Angels are there. But the fact is, they've at least shown a desire to go for it. So yeah. if you want to make an argument on what you're looking for, you're looking for teams that are going to buy and the Angels are yeah. already buying. Mm-hmm. I still think that their main piece they need is bullpen help because I really yes. don't like their bullpen at all. So yeah. their closer is fine, but they really overachieve with the bullpen for most of the year, and I do think they could use some extra pieces there. I think Tampa at the end of the year is going to get in. I think they'll find a way to get through, but it's going to be close for a lot of teams. That's really the tricky part for the Angels. It's because you're not just competing with those three teams. There's a couple other teams that are lingering. So there might be five or six teams in the race for like three spots. But once again, it's seven to one or five to one. You are assuming Trout's coming back. You still have Otani that's healthy. Mm -hmm. They're buying players at the deadline. There are some good signs there for a long shot to take a flyer on. Yeah. Uh, Any other teams or players you think that uh, need to make a move or will be on the move as far as uh, the trade deadline goes? Well, it's mostly just waiting for the bottom feeders to trade half their team. I'm trying to think of teams that have really made any move so far. We saw Pittsburgh make a trade. They're going to make a couple more. I would not be shocked if Keller was shipped off too. We'll see what happens. The Nationals, as far as I know, haven't done anything. The Rockies haven't done anything. The A's, I don't think, have done anything. And I'm just waiting for all those teams to sell half their players. Yeah. Um, Are you waiting for a team? I know it's a cop-out answer, but I was expecting, you know, maybe the Cubs trade Bellinger, but I doubt it because they're on, they're back to 500 now. So maybe they can make a push, but it's really just waiting to see which playoff teams or borderline playoff teams are going to try to pick off some good pieces from really bad teams over the next couple of days. Yeah. I think names like, like big names, we're talking about big names. Like we mentioned Juan Soto, right? He's been linked to trades over this past week. We heard about Nolan Arenado potentially getting moved as well. I think the Cardinals are now pretty much doomed. They're 10 games out of a wild card spot uh, in the National League. So those are the bottom dwelling teams this uh, this season. Again, you can pick off some of those players, uh, like I just mentioned with Juan Soto, with with Nolan Arenado. I know the, the Yankees, I think, and Arenado are linked. Uh, we talked about that last week, I believe. The Yankees so. are linked to everybody. Yeah. I saw rumors <laughs> the Yankees were linked to Seth Brown. 
I'm like, what is what is what is happening? Like, pick a lane. Either go for the ridiculously underwhelming, like pinch hit guy, platoon guy, or go for Arenado. But I don't need the Yankees linked to every player on the market. <laughs> um, one name that I always look for at the trade deadline that I think should get traded and it would be a big help has been Salvador Perez. And I'm not yeah. sure why he hasn't requested a trade or wants to be traded or whatever the case might be. But isn't his contract like pretty bad for a guy that can barely play catcher anymore? Yeah, let me see what it is. But and I gave an extension a couple of years ago when he had 40 plus home runs. Yeah, but I I still feel like he's. A, I mean, even if he doesn't turn into a be a catcher, I think he could still like hit home runs. I mean, his batting average hasn't been too bad. But I take him see. if I was Houston. I think Maldonado sucks. Yeah, I think that's a great spot for him. He's making 13 million a year. Okay, that's uh, actually not that bad. So I'm sorry, no, no, no uh, so he earned 18 million in 2022. He will earn an estimated around 20 million uh, for this season and then next season and then 2022. Sorry, 2025. He's going to earn 22 million. That's the problem because yeah. it goes to 2025. Yeah, that's why he's still on a team. Yeah, and then he has a final year uh, with a club option salary of 13 and a half million. Uh, for the 2026 season, he's only. 30. I, didn't even, I didn't mention the Royals. They should also trade half their team. Yeah. Besides, besides, like you know, Bobby Witt Jr. and a couple of exceptions, but there's a lot of bad teams that should basically have everybody for sale. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I don't know why I thought that he was a lot older than he is right now. I mean, he he's 33, but I, I don't know why I feel like he was like 35 plus. Because he's but... got catcher knees. He can't yeah. play catcher anymore. I mean, yeah. the same reason why Mauer at the last stage of his career, you thought he was 40 because he could barely play first base because his knees were shot. Like, it just happens that way. Catchers age very, very quickly. Uh, Insano asking if the Cubs are still still dealing their pitching. Um, I don't think so. I would... I don't think so. I would personally hang on to Justin Steele because he's having a Cy Young caliber year. He could be a frontline starter. He's he's falling off a cliff. Yeah. He might be the guy that might be on the move. He he could be a solid number three guy for a team that needs pitching. Um, I mean, we mentioned several teams that can use pitching right now uh, looking to contender for a either division spot or division title or a wild card spot. So, yeah, I think a lot still to be determined. Uh, I would have your notifications on if you're a true baseball fan. And see what kind of transpires uh, as we approach the trade deadline. Uh, anything significant that does happen, maybe we'll do like a bonus episode um, for the trade deadline. Let me see when it's actual. It's August first, or what's that on Monday? Is the actual yeah, day? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely excited about the trade deadline. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Uh, not really. I spent about forty-five minutes trying to think of one player who played for the Rockies and the Reds. For the grid, and I finally got one. So <laughs> there you go. go. Oh, Rockies and the Reds. Oh, I can tell you that right now. It, I, I thought it was pretty tough. Mustakis. Yeah, I, I once again, I, I just was trying to think of somebody a little bit more obscure. I oh, settled okay. on Tony Walmack. 0.4% for the rarity score. Point oh, four. there you go. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, all right, we got, uh, let's recap our picture real quickly before we get out of here. Um, so for my lock... I had the Cleveland Guardians either money line or run line. I'm, I'm probably going to be more so on the run line uh, with Logan Allen on the mound. I know the White Sox don't have a starting pitcher announced yet, but I don't care who it is because this team is pretty much in the midst of blowing it up, and I think the Guardians will take advantage uh, of that with Logan Allen, who hasn't lost a road start since the month of April for this Guardians team. Uh, my dog is the Astros run line minus one and a half at plus 135, and then my total is going to be the Reds and Dodgers over 10 runs 
with Luke, uh, Luke Weaver and Emmett Shaheen on the mound here. Scott, what do you got? Yeah, so my lock's going to be the Twins minus one and a half against the Royals at minus 115. My dog's going to be the Rangers at an absurd plus 152 price on the money line. And my total will be the Angels' first five team total over two and a half, fading Manoa. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast. We will be back in some form or fashion, uh, same time on Sunday to handicap the Monday games. Um, Good reminder to check out our picks over the course of the weekend over on the website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Just hit that MLB tab, uh, hit the MLB picks tab. You'll see our picks all throughout the weekend. Like I mentioned, the podcast will reconvene as regularly on Sunday evening uh, for the Monday games uh, heading into the first day of August and the MLB trade deadline. Uh, make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Uh, make sure to follow the MLB Gambling Podcast account on Twitter at MLBSGPN. And we're also on Instagram, uh, MLB Gambling Podcast. Make sure to follow us there as well. If you haven't already left us a rating and review, please go ahead and do so. Definitely do appreciate if you guys can do that for us. Good luck with your picks this weekend. Let's break these books off and let it ride.